0: Today, I'm here with a good friend of mine and a CEO of Hanzo Archives, Keith Laska. Keith, welcome to the pond, man.
1: It's great to be with you, Vince.
0: Super glad that you could join me. And I love this topic. It's related to cloud computing, enterprise communications. In fact, in our typical Walden pond fashion, we have to give a nod to our mascot, Henry David Thoreau. And he says, and he was thinking about cloud computing perhaps 150 years ago. The quote that I selected today is if you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. But now put the foundations under them. So a deep thoughts, uh, <laughs> but it's kind of in the clouds and in the air. And that was kind of an interesting thought there. What do you think about that quote?
1: A fantastic quote. Very relevant for what we're about to talk about. Make
0: sure you have the software and infrastructure in whatever cloud thing that you're doing, I think is what he meant by that. I'm sure he foresaw that. All right, let's get started. So Keith, tell the audience, our legal and compliance professionals listening, what's your background and how did you get to be the CEO of Hanzo?
1: Yeah, great. So first of all, I have to thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. I listen to all of them and they're extremely resourceful. So just want to thank you for that. No, oh, thanks. So I started out my career as a professor of French and Italian at a little school up in New Hampshire called Phillips Exeter Academy. So I thought I guess I was going to be a teacher of the languages for some period of time, but then I quickly got into business and I started with a company called Translations.com as a project manager and engineer, and then moved my way to a company called SDL, which was traded on the London Stock Exchange. I spent about 10 years with that company, seven of those years working in Europe, Asia, across North America. And ultimately worked with a great team to build that team up to a $70 million business and was the CEO of the language technology division of that company. Uh, Following that, I started up a number of businesses and have advised a number of technology companies across the globe in business operations, global competency and scaling. I was brought to Hanzo because of the massive opportunity we have in front of us to really shake up and provide immense value to the legal and compliance space. That's just what we're doing here at Hanzo. So
0: yeah, sounds exciting. So tell me about Hanzo and what are you doing in the legal and compliance space and what does Hanzo do?
1: Sure. It would be remiss if I did not tell you a little bit about the history of Hanzo and how we got to where we are today. So, Hansa was founded as a project in the British National Library. The two co-founders were tasked with recording the web forever for British citizens around the world, which is a pretty daunting task. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's
0: boiling the ocean, it sounds
1: like. A little bit, yeah. And so, they went out to the market to try to find tools that could preserve the native format of the web because they felt that for historical preservation purposes, that's the right thing to do. And they really didn't find anything that could capture and archive web and social media content in its native format. So they built sophisticated web crawling utilities that could point at a website and then spider out and archive that website in its native format. And so today, if you were to open up an archive from Hanzo and a live website, you would have difficulty seeing the difference between the two. That's how dynamic it is. Hmm. They thought they were solving for a historical preservation use case, and it turned out there's not a lot of ROI in historical preservation. So they pivoted pretty quickly to the legal and compliance space where the company has provided enterprise legal and compliance departments with really powerful software to collect evidence in its native format across a medium of dynamic and complex content types. So today we offer legal hold software for companies that are struggling with enterprise collaboration tools and also capture technology for those that are regulated by SEC, FINRA, or specific state regulations.
0: Wow. Yeah. Cool story. And, you know, when you think about, when you say enterprise collaboration tools, and these are kind of the evolving, when I think about traditional investigations, we always would go after and focus on the email. But now we're seeing email giving way to, again, email's not going away, but that's actually turning more into the formalized communication where most of the chat and activities are going on in these enterprise collaboration tools like Slack or Microsoft Teams, and you can probably name a lot more. But that's interesting. And I know from my investigation work, those are crazy hard to search because oftentimes you can't separate who the custodian was or saying who's to who. And is that what Hanzo's doing is helping kind of, Enable that to be a little bit more searchable and usable on a per custodian basis? Or describe how Hanzo
1: is helping solve that problem. You've got it. Our entire mantra is to make the complex simple when it comes to managing dynamic data. So if we take a, a quick step back, and I think a lot of companies are starting to realize this, especially those focused on legal compliance investigations. In the 1990s and 2000s, structured data ruled supreme, right? So you had to Documents, databases, even email, I would say, is somewhat structured. Today, collaboration tools like Slack and Microsoft Teams, they've kind of combined text messaging with email. And yeah. it's great for productivity, right? Everybody loves slacking each other and communicating with each other over Teams. But it's an absolute nightmare for compliance teams and legal teams, right? Because it's not a structured way to approach an audit trail related to communication. Good example an email. There's a chain. Someone sends an email, someone responds with an attachment. There's a pretty straightforward audit trail, and it makes it easy to piece together the legal or compliance story. Now let's look at Slack, right? Employee A joined channel A, but didn't post anything. It's still relevant. Then they sent a private message referencing channel A to employee B. Okay, It's getting a little more complicated and confusing. Well, that message then linked to a Google Doc or a Microsoft Word document attachment. And then within that Google Doc, an external website or social media link was referenced. That is an absolute nightmare for uh, somebody who's trying, trying to piece together a story. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: So ultimately, that level of complexity related to discovering and puzzle piecing in today's day and age is significant. And Hanzo makes that very simple.
0: Yeah, that's it. So that you could search across those channels or those keywords across those mediums, right? That's right. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, in addition to obviously, you'd see its value in a litigation or a discovery effort. What other applications are you seeing companies use, and which types of companies are using these? Are these small, mid sized, or everyone, large companies, et cetera? But what are some of the non litigation type use cases that you're seeing, and which kind of companies are using these?
1: For sure. So I think Slack was, and Teams and other collaborative systems. These were databases and utilities that compliance were hoping to avoid, but that's not possible any longer. So we are seeing a multitude of use cases around policy adherence, PII identification, so if there's leakage with personal or private information, adherence to GDPR and California data protection standards. Oh, sure. Yeah. All of this is massive. And of course, we're also seeing companies who are regulated by the SEC or FINRA communications or even state regulatory with healthcare and or insurance companies are very active in trying to manage the complexity related to these dynamic databases.
0: Wow. Very cool. All right. Well, when I think about enterprise communications and collaboration platforms and email going, again, getting less popular, I would say, what trends are you seeing in the market? Do we expect These collaboration tools to continue to grow or change, or is there something threatening, something new and different coming? And especially as I think about, we're all working from home these days in the COVID environment. What trends are you seeing in terms of enterprise collaboration?
1: It was in the middle of the pandemic around April timeframe when Stuart Butterfield, who's the CEO of Slack, came out and said, we had anticipated an evolution from email to messaging apps like Slack and Mm -hmm. the pandemic has effectively accelerated that for them by 18 months at least. Wow. So what we are seeing out in the market is that work from any type of application that enables work from home environments is being adopted at an aggressive pace. We don't feel that's going away anytime soon. And we even believe, and God willing, past this period that the entire world is dealing with right now, work from home was roughly 18% of the U.S. population pre-COVID. We're expecting that to be 30 to 40% post-COVID once we're kind of, quote-unquote, back to normal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm doing all my client work. I've done full analytics compliance monitoring programs from start to finish remotely because, again, we can do these things on the desktop, you know, and the servers are in the cloud. So, yeah,
1: it is doable, at least in our space. You're absolutely correct. And so, along with that, you have this requirement, growing requirement for corporations really to take control of their data sets back. There's a massive supply chain supporting compliance and legal and investigations out in the market, and it's expensive and costly. And I think working in tandem with those providers, you can really create value by giving enterprises some of the tools and utilities they need to be able to take some element of control back of their data, but working in partnership with firms who really have the expertise and knowledge to support them. Yeah. We also feel that data management will soon become what we call insight management. So right now, a lot of our profession, you and I as well, combined, Vince, deal with a lot of issues that happen after the fact. And we do feel that that trend is going to change dramatically over the next few years where we start to proactively identify problems before they even occur.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I see so much in compliance being proactive now, not just reactive. Um, and that's really taking place. Well, we've got time for one more question. And that's, and I always like to kind of provide this for my audience here. What advice would you give our legal and compliance professionals out there listening? Something tangible or quick that they can immediately apply or ask their management team to think about in terms of what you're doing and what you're seeing with enterprise collaboration?
1: Great question. I believe that in the next five to 10 years, we're probably going to see a progression and an evolution of the chief legal officer, chief risk officer, and chief compliance officer roles into a combined role. Mm. And I believe that as much as we try, we are still very siloed inside organizations. And there's going to be a need for a strategic senior C-level role to effectively bridge the gap between proactive compliance and legal policies and what I'd call reactive as an after the fact situations. And I think only once we have a single individual who is responsible for that entire spectrum of challenges that an enterprise has, we're going to continue to have these silos and issues with managing the entire life cycle.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of risk for one person, both proactive and reactive. But hopefully, like you think about technology like Hanzo and some of the stuff that I do and talk to people about, that could bridge the gap or it could bridge the efficiency gap to make those types of roles manageable in terms of risk. So you might be onto something there. That's kind of cool. And I agree. Cause again, I've seen so many times with clients where either internal, you know, compliance isn't talking to internal audit or talking to finance and they're kind of siloed. So they don't have the visibility and the transparency into the business that they need to stop improper payment before it goes out or stop a high risk vendor or stop the scheme before it gets too large. So I love that idea of merging compliance and react, you know, proactive versus reactive. So
1: good stuff, Mr. Laska. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Vince. I've had a great time speaking with you today.
0: Yeah, thank you. And audience, thanks for listening. The Walden Pond is part of the Tom Fox compliance podcast network and We'll see you in a few weeks on The Pond. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.